right. Praise God for his goodness. We thank the Lord because he's always doing great things and there really isn't enough we can say. I know that I say that quite a bit, but that's because it's so true. It is absolutely astounding and amazing to me how good God is, keeps doing great things, keeps blessing us when we just absolutely don't deserve it. Yet he remains forever worthy. And we're thankful for that. We are um, back in our um, in our text. We're back in the word of God, back in the book of Psalms where we uh, originally began. We are picking up where we left off talking about uh, this topic of God's mercy when we cry. Now, for this particular um, set, we looked at um, the um, the book of Psalms, chapter 27, and we've gone through and are going through the entirety of the scripture. And the word of God says this, a psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me, to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted above mine enemies round about me. Therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. And let's add one more verse number eight. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face will I seek. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. Amen, amen, amen. God is certainly good all the time, and we thank him. We're talking about the topic of God's mercy when we cry. Now, we've had a couple lessons in this series. We um, took a hiatus, really, for the series um, because God gave us some other things to focus on, but he has given us permission to kind of double back and um, get back to it. Now, about uh, two or three Sundays ago, we did actually pick this back up, and we did a the fourth lesson um, in this series, and because we had had not done it for a while, we really took that fourth lesson to really kind of uh, recap, and it brings us um, right up to date, especially for those of us who um, had um, who didn't have that particular uh, message series on the top of our mind because we, we were engaged in other things. So the part four of the message brought us up to date, brought us back um, to where we um, 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 to where we were in the book 
of Psalms chapter 27, looking um, specifically at verses um, seven and eight. Um, and it's been a good time. Amen. It has been a good time. Um, we ended chap the uh, fourth lesson really at the doorstep of um, verse number seven. And so we really want to pick that up. This is the fifth um, part of the lesson. Amen. We praise God for that. Um, the word of God um, says, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Amen. This is from the English Standard Version, just giving you another version of that. And verse eight says, you have said, seek my face. Amen. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. So amen. we thank God um, for that, um, for the word. Let's go back to verse number. Um, let's give us verse number um, seven. All right. I'm going to leave that one on the screen here for a while. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. Let's dig into this. David, um, we spoke about um, quite a few things throughout Psalms 27. Wonderful, wonderful set of scriptures. Amen. Amen. And we talked about God, um, all, we talked about um, what it meant to have our head lifted above our, our enemies, okay? And we discovered that David's position rem uh, changed, um, but his posture remained the same, okay? David's head was bowed yet his head was lifted above his enemies. The elevation of, of David's position changed. God put him on a rock and the rock is higher than everything else around it. So elevation wise, uh, position wise, David changed, okay? He changed location. I was no longer on the gr at ground level looking at all of those that surround me, okay? God did a work and he's lifted me up. And he put me now in an elevated position, all right? My head was down, was bowed when I was at eye level with everyone else, surrounded by the enemy. So that means that I couldn't even really tell. David couldn't even really tell how many people were around him if he's at eye level and he's surrounded. But when the elevation changes, when that position changes and God lifted David up, now David is above physically so to speak but in the spiritual at this at the same time david spiritually is now rather lifted up in another location and now he's higher so now he can see everything and everyone around him but david's posture did not change he remained humble he remained submitted his head remained bowed down and so we learned about the sacrifices of joy and thanksgiving and all of these different things that um that david um um um, went on to do. And we ended talking about how we, we, we have to individually determine, amen, okay, how we are going to respond to God, amen. Psalms 95 verses six through nine says this, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. 
let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your heart, as in the day, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. We have to individually, family, determine how we are going to respond to God. And this is all the more exemplified and brought to light, especially in the scripture set that we have today in verses uh, seven and eight of Psalms 27. You got to decide how you're going to respond to God. This is so critical and such a um, important thing um, that it does bear taking some time just to think about for a few moments. Many times we pattern our response after what other people are doing. So we look for others to be our leaders or our cheerleaders, so to speak, and um, or our points of reference as to how we are going to praise God. Let me give you an example. We go to church and somebody gets up um, and somebody may say, let's everybody now do this, or let's everybody now do that. And let's everybody this and everybody do that. Let's all praise. Let's all sing. Let's all shout. Let's all jump. Let's all do. It doesn't matter. You, you, you can, um, you can take whatever you can, you can change, interchange that with anything that you can think of, no matter what church you go to, where you go, uh, many times you'll find that. And so a lot of times the pulpit becomes um, little more than cheerleading. Okay. Now the, the, uh, the, the, the minister or whoever is uh, presiding, they're, they're, they're directing and many, and it's not that there's anything wrong with that. Okay. Because God's house should have order. You need to be directed. Amen. There is a level of direction that is needed. I need to be directed. I'm, I'm going to need some need somebody to point some things out. Amen. Especially when you have someone who is in tune with the spirit and they are hearing from God because God moves different ways in a service. In a church service, there is an ebb and a flow to church service and they are not all the same now churches run aground and get into trouble when they try to make every church service the same amen not every church service is supposed to be jumping and shouting and all of the no 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 that's a lie that people have brought in have bought into and really that's a form of addiction that people crave and so it has become synonymous with church they feel like they don't have not have church unless there was sing there was a bunch of loud singing and jumping and dancing and twirling and this and that and other and there's a time and there's a place for all of that I believe that, and, and, and I believe that 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 should be in uh, very present and accounted for in the church. But not every service is like that. Not every service is meant to be like that. Why? Because God moves in different ways. When God ministers, God ministers to the situations and the circumstances and the needs that are presently accounted for in the church body as they have collectively gathered together. Now, God does this individually on a personal level, but he also does this collectively. God can meet you at church. Amen. And God should meet you wherever the name of the Lord is. 
established, you ought to be able to find God there. Now, the thing that would keep you and I from finding God there where his name is established is if in that place, we get outside of God's will and we stop operating according to God. Well, then now his, you'll find his name there, but he won't be there. Amen. Got to check out of things that's not like him. Amen. Okay. God expects certain things to go a certain way. So if we want God to be present in our church, okay, then we've got to do the things that make God welcome. Amen. Remember, we talked way early, if you remember this um, lesson before, about how we have a camp. God has a camp. And we want God to be in the camp. God reserves the right to just show up to the camp and to spot check and to let you. And when he does, he shows up with the purpose, really, of blessing you or bringing supply and provision. But if you and I begin to disrespect and dishonor God and the household of God, amen, Ecclesiastes um, tells us, keep your foot when you come to the house of the Lord, amen, and be more ready to hear than to offer the sacrifice of fools, which means to get in church running your mouth. God said, I don't like all that. God doesn't want all of that. That's chaos. And God is a God of order, of peace, as in all churches of the saints, amen. So God wants us, we want God, you listen, Many people, we get into trouble because when we go to church, every Sunday, we keep trying to replicate the same thing that happened the previous Sunday. It does not work that way. You have to move in companion and I mean in unison with the movement of God. You got to move in step with God. I got to move in step with God. Some services will be full of joy and just exuberance. I mean, it'll just be all, just, just all over the place. The joy of the Lord will be running high. But there are some services where the spirit of the Lord is very subtle or very quiet, very slow and deliberate, just not, 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 a, not, not, not loud and boisterous. But like Elijah would say, he was in a still, small voice. It wasn't in the thunder and it wasn't in the, all of this stuff and all the loud. Sometimes you find God in the quietness. Do you have quiet time with God? Have you made time for to be still before the Lord? There are some services where you're not meant to be jumping and, and running around and shouting. You're not. You're meant to you're, you're, you're meant to quietly, so to speak, gently commune with God. Your spirit just talking to God and God just talking to you. And he just moving and there's a depth and there's a there's a there's such a warmth. Yes, you could jump up and you can do all kinds of stuff, but but God not always calling for that. And services don't always run like that. 
We make the mistake because we think a quiet service is a dead service. That's ridiculous. A dead service is a service where you show up and God didn't show up with you. You want to have a dead service, then show up to church wrong. You're going to have one. Now, that don't mean it's going to be dead for everybody else. Those that come right, oh, it's going to be just fine. I guarantee you that. But for me, who decided to come wrong? No, it won't work that way. We have to individually determine how we are going to respond to God. And it is extremely important. There'll be many people that will cheerlead and tell you to do this, that, and the other, and so on and so forth. But you have to get to the point where you are moving as the spirit of the Lord is moving upon you. It's not about, it's not, there's a time and a place for everything. There's a time for everybody to let's join together and let's do this and that and other. And so yes, yes, and more yes. You're not wrong by doing that. No, no. But you are wrong when you substitute the man of God for God himself. Or the, per, or the praise leader or the worship leader. No. When the spirit is going on and, and, and the church is this, that, and other and all kind of, and you don't feel the spirit moving you in that way, don't do that. Now, there, there is a time and a place for, to, to, to when you, when there are going to be times where you don't feel like clapping or singing or what, and you need to do it anyway. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I'm not talking about pushing through when you feel like you don't want to know. I'm talking about when the church is being directed to go a certain way, but you feel the spirit of God because you're in tune with God leading you to do something different or to commune with him rather something in a, in a way that's different. So in other words, everyone might be told to stand up on your feet and, 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 and let me just make this up and, and turn around for whatever reason. I don't know. But in your spirit, you feel God telling you, be still. Talk with me. Think on me. You feel the Lord telling you. Speak to this person, say this, say, that's what I'm talking about. You got to be led by the spirit. You want a service that's going to be rewarding? Obey God. It's as simple as that. And determine that you're going to follow the leading of the spirit. Even if everybody else is doing something different, that doesn't mean that what they're doing necessarily is wrong. But God is telling you that's not for you at that moment. And that's what you got to get to. It's difficult because many people have become, have, have come to associate obedience to God with obedience to whatever someone over the pulpit or, or whoever, or, or so whoever is, we, we, we blind obedience. We have elected and substituted for true obedience. We have, it's become synonymous with following God. Oh, they told everybody to, to, to pray this way, told everybody to 
jump up, tell everybody to do this, told everybody to do that. But you know, the spirit of the Lord is ministering to your heart and he's talking to you. No, you got to be still. You got to wait on God. Brother Walker, are you saying you need to be disobedient to pastors and to this, that, and other? You need to understand something. It's not that I'm telling you that you need to be obedient, but I'm going to tell you this. Your pastor is not God. Your worship leaders and all these, they're not God. And God always reserves the right to veto anybody in the church. As soon as God start moving, that's a wrap on what anybody else is saying. I, it does not, it, regardless. There ain't no man on this planet or no woman that is so holy and so righteous that they word get to override God. Absolutely not. When the spirit of the Lord moving, that's where you want to be moving because that's where you want to be blessed. That's where you're going to be blessed. Moses, <laughs> the children of Israel got ridiculous in those, uh, in the times in the wilderness. And, and I mean, God has got, man, God got furious with them. And so much so God said, you know what? I ain't even going into this camp with these people. I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm staying outside. I'm done. I'm not even, I'm not going in there. I'm not going to be in their camp. They're ridiculous. They're out of control. They're not, they, they, they just ugly acting. They just won't do right. God said, I'm not even going in there. And I'm paraphrasing this. But you can read all about this in the in, in, in the book of Exodus. You can read all about all this stuff. God said, you know, you know what? I am, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going. And Moses decided, you know, said this. Moses he had to make a decision. And he basically tells God, well, if you ain't going to go into the camp, I ain't going either. I want to be where you are. You got to be the same way when it comes to church or anything else. You want to be where God is. Some of us are so ridiculously and almost hopelessly addicted. To the to a service that seems to be on fire or has everybody twisting and twirling and hitting cartwheels and sticking the landing and all that kind of stuff that don't mean anything. If God isn't moving you to do it, if you're just doing it on your own, that doesn't mean anything. You're not praising God. No, 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 no. The spirit of the Lord doesn't behave itself unseemly. Doesn't behave himself. In other words, he doesn't act all uncharacteristic and he does not require you to do that. God not gonna ask nobody to stand up on a podium. God won't ask nobody to stand up on a pew. God won't ask anybody to hit a cartwheel off of his platform and say, no, oh, no, no, no. Bible says, don't tempt the Lord to take care of you. All you're doing is jeopardizing your health, health with all that foolishness. God don't require anybody to do that. You don't ever see him in the scripture ask anybody to do anything like that. No. So we got to get that stuff, that, that we got to get that poison, that poison in the pot. We got to get that stuff out of there. These little subtle things that the devil done tricked us into doing. And so on. Listen, the devil don't mind you going to church as long as you go wrong. He don't, he don't mind. Matter of fact, he'll come with you and sit right next to you. He'll pass you some Kleenex. The devil goes to church. Them unclean spirits, they go to church. 
and they don't mind you being there as long as you as long as you not there right because Jesus said this in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's a whole lot of people who go to church, but they're not keeping the commandments. We are going through the motion. And the devil and, and them unclean spirits, they are right there to help us go through the motion. He don't mind, the devil don't mind you getting up there and, and all the things that you, that you have, we have come to associate with God. He don't mind you doing all that, as long as you're not doing it the right way, long as you're not really in touch with God, long as you're not really in tune with the spirit. See, because if you was really in tune with the spirit, if I'm really in tune with the spirit, here's why the devil got a problem with that. Because if I'm in tune with the spirit, then the gift of discernment is going to be in operation. And if the gift of discernment, because it's part of the fruit of the spirit, if it's in operation, then I'm going to be able to discern or tell when the devil is at work. I'm going to be able to tell that, guess what? The devil's sitting right next to me. You know, a clean spirit. That's why he don't mind you doing it as long as you don't do it the right way. Because if you do it the right way, you're going to discern that he's actually present. And you're going to get to using that authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Rebuking them unclean spirits and sending them packing. And he don't want that. He does not want that. Nevertheless, Psalms 27, verse 7 says this. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy upon me and answer me. David does something that is very unique, very interesting, very noteworthy in verse number seven. Man, the first thing that David does is, is that he requests that the Lord hear. Amen. And this is really, really good and really important. Okay. Here in the scripture means to take heed. Okay. It means to listen. Okay. It also means to pay close attention to, okay? Now, not only does it mean listening to hear and to pay close attention, but there's another, but there's a, there's another layer to it. And that secondary layer is the layer that says this, not only do I want you to listen, not only do I want you to hear, not only do I want you to pay close attention, but I want you to do so with the intent of responding appropriately, okay? So in other words, when you hear, when, it's, when David says in this text, hear, O Lord, he's not just asking God to just simply listen and pay attention, but he wants an answer. When David uses the word here, he's using it with the intent or the underlying intent that I want an answer in response to your hearing. I don't want, a, in other words, David was saying, I don't want, I'm not looking for just a shoulder to cry on. I'm not looking for someone to just hear me out. I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm not looking for that. 
And I'm glad God is that sometimes. One scripture tells us in the book of Isaiah, come let us reason together. God, God wants to hear you. Amen. And I'm so glad that he does. But in our text, David, is, 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 David it doesn't just want someone to hear. He doesn't just want God to hear him and to pay attention to him, to give him his undivided attention. No, but he wants him to pay attention and be so much so that he's intent and ready to respond and to answer accordingly. You know, one of the um, one of the most annoying things, and this is similar. This this will be a similar experience for for many of us who hear this lesson. No matter where you are, no matter when in the world you listen to this, and where in the world you listen to this, this is something that we all um, can identify with. Sometimes there is nothing more annoying than when you are telling someone something really important and you really need an answer on that thing isn't it annoying when that person goes through the motion of hearing you and listen you but you can tell that they didn't hear you because the answer that they give has zero to do with what it is that you were talking about you really needed an answer and they just really did not answer it. They came with something totally unrelated. That is so, I don't know about you, but that's one thing that I've always considered to be pretty annoying, especially when maybe time is of the essence and we really need to get something done. I really need to get something done or achieved um, you know, pretty quickly and I need the help. I can't get whatever it is on my own. I can't do it on my own. So I need someone else's help. And then I go solicit that help and I go through all of the uh, the 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 rigmarole, so to speak, of of explaining it, and you know, sometimes it's not a, a quick thing that to to explain. So it takes a little while for you to just get all of that out and explain, right? And then when you do, the person who looked like they were hearing you didn't really hear you, and you knew it. Why? Because they answered in a way that was totally different, or really just did not um, um, bring a satisfying conclusion to whatever it was that you were working with. Well, that's annoying, right? But that stuff does happen in this life. Instead, you wrap the, the desired outcome would be for a person to give you their undivided attention, right? And then respond appropriately. That's what this word here means. It means not only am I give or am I getting or am I requesting um, or do I want undivided attention, but I want an appropriate response. Amen. Now, the word cry in this text means to call out, all right, to utter a characteristic note or cry. Amen. Amen. And I love that, a characteristic. In other words, I, 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 I'm crying out appropriately. It's characteristic for whatever the situation is. Okay. I'm not, I'm not in, the, in other words, let me give you an example. If you're, if you're out in the ocean, all right, you know, and 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 for whatever reason, you are on a boat, you get thrown overboard. Okay, now you're in the water, you're in the middle of the ocean, the boat's right there with you. The people are looking over and they see you, and and they're kind of panicking or whatever, and you're not, and you can't really swim all that well. 
you need some somebody to rescue you, right? You would need somebody to, to help you out. Well, well, imagine that person in the water. I'm gonna be screaming, you know, normally you're gonna scream, help me, right? I'm I'm this, that, you know, and 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 no, you know why? Because I can't swim, I can't this, and 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 you just imagine that that's you. Now imagine this person who can't swim, who can't, who, who, who don't know how to float, <laughs> don't can't can't just, and you know that I, I mean, maybe sharks, all kinds of stuff. You can just put it whatever you want out there. They're in a bad situation. Right? Now imagine that person in that bad situation, the thing that they yell out. Instead of asking for somebody to throw them a line or somebody to pull them up, they say, give me a radio. Toss me a fork. I need that pen over there. Do you get what I'm saying? Something utterly just doesn't make sense. As it pertains to the situation that I'm in. So David is saying, hear me. When I cry and when, which is to call out. But what he's saying is, is that I, not when I'm calling out with ridiculousness, not when I'm calling out with foolishness. He's saying, when I'm God, hear me when I cry appropriately. Okay. When, 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 when I cry out, I might not understand it all. I might not get it all. But I'm, but, but I'm crying out appropriately for my situation. In other words, I'm in a bad situation and I'm not crying out, I'm good, I'm okay. Instead, I'm crying out, help, save me. I put a cry out that is characteristic of my situation. If everything was good, then the appropriate cry would be a cry of praise. Worship, thanksgiving, giving God adoration. You get what I'm saying? That would be appropriate. It would be inappropriate when I'm in the midst of being blessed and God has done great things. It would be inappropriate if I'm not in trouble to go around crying out, help me, I'm in trouble. Save, for, save me. From what? From nothing? Do you get what I'm saying? That would be uncharacteristic so hopefully those those examples help you get an idea of that so he's saying hear me with the intent to respond appropriately to what i cry out especially as it is appropriate to my situation amen And he says, oh, Lord, when I cry, hear, oh, Lord, when I cry with my voice. Voice means speech here, okay? And it means something spoken, understood, according to it, to what's been vocalized. So in other words, words. That's really when when he when I cry out words or language. Now we're gonna go somewhere with this, okay? 
Because he says, when I cry out with my voice, speech. And it's something spoken, understood according to being voice. So it's words and it's speech, but it's not just that. It doesn't have to be speech because you use your voice for more than just speaking words to be understood. Now, that's what I'm talking about when I say speech, okay? We're talking about when I make a sound, whether it is intelligible, understandable, or not, yet it's appropriate. Let me give you an example. You can be so hurt that all you can do is moan. Oh, oh, and so on and so forth. Now, that's not necessarily words, right? But I'm hurt, I'm messed up, I'm in trouble. And I might not have words to express exactly what I'm going through. But I'm going to use my voice to say what I can. And sometimes that just might be sounds of anguish, frustration, disappointment, not necessarily words to be clearly understood. Yet these vocalizations, so to speak, though they are not words, not always words to be clearly understood through the interpretation of language. They can be understood because they carry with them or they convey feelings and emotion. And that's important because God's hearing is so acute. It's, it's, it's so next level that in all things, there isn't anything that God cannot hear. He literally hears the words without words. And for him, it goes even deeper than that. David is saying literally Yahweh. That's what that word Lord means. Yahweh. When I cry out or direct my voice to you, regardless of how it comes out, because it just might not come out right, might not even be coherent. David is saying, however it comes out, I need you to hear what I'm trying to say, and I need you to respond. Glory to God. Glory to God. I've got something to say, and, 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 and I'm finding it difficult to find the words that would express it the way that I need to express it. Yet, I got a need to cry out to you, God, so I need you to hear me. I need you to listen to me. I need you to understand what I'm saying or what I'm trying to say. And I'm glad that we serve a God, that I serve a God 
that not only understands what I'm saying, but he knows what I'm trying to say, because there are some times where you just don't have the words to explain it. You don't have the language to express it, but yet all you have is a Lord, you know, and sometimes you got even less than that, but the God that we serve is a God that is not stifled by yours and my inability to communicate. God gave you your voice. God gave you your mind. God gave you what you have. And, 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 and my goodness, God can understand every time you begin to operate and to use what God has given you. Do you not understand that God is not stopped by human disability, human limitation? God can hear the deaf man just as loudly as he can hear the man with a voice that is boisterous and is all over the place. God ain't stopped. No, 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 no. You can be born without a mouth if that's a thing and God could still understand you. God is not short of hearing. No, 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 no. Because God reads the heart. And that's why it doesn't matter how it comes out or if it even comes out in a way that others would deem appropriate. It, does, it doesn't stop God. Look at 1 Samuel 16, 6 and 7. It says this, and it came to pass when they were come that he took, that he looked on Elam and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Now at this point, Saul is he he he's done. God 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 is a, God, God's rejected Saul, and 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 a new king is getting ready to be anointed. So this would be David. And so this is in, during the selection process, as the Lord sends Samuel to anoint the next king. Samuel is alerted and made aware by God that this next king is coming out of the household of Jesse. And Jesse has a number of sons. And so Samuel shows up to anoint the next king. And he asks Jesse to bring out the boys. And all of the boys come out except for one, David. But when the boys come out and he looks over them, his eyes set on Elad, one of David's brothers. Why? Because no doubt Elab looked the part. It, if, if, if God was going to select the king, Elab, in order for Saul to point him out, for Samuel to point him out, rather, to Samuel, Elab must have had a kingly look. After all, Saul had a kingly look. He was taller than everybody else. All of these different things. And, and, when, he, and, and when he was selected, it was the outward appearance that was used. To identify the king, the first king of Israel, human king, that is, who would be Saul. 
But Saul got beside himself and got rejected by God. And now God is raising up a new king. And Saul, Samuel goes to select the next king the same way that he selected the first king, looking on the outward. And verse number seven tells us, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance. I mean, don't look on his outside. Don't look at his outward appearance or on the height of his stature. Because remember, Saul was a tall man because I have refused him. God says, whatever you looking at on the outside, getting ready to select, that ain't him. You're getting ready to use a criteria that I'm not using. And I'm telling you right now, Samuel, whoever it is that you're getting ready, you thinking about that, that person is rejected. It's not him. That's not who it is. That's not who I'm picking. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. I hope you saw that. The words that you speak might not come out right when you call on God. And you know what? Sometimes they might not even come out at all. But God reads the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Look at Psalms 44, 21. Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. God reads the heart. Not convinced yet? How about Acts 15 and 8? And God, which what? Knoweth the hearts. Bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost. Even as he did unto us. Now that's very important right there. Notice that. And God knoweth the hearts, which God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness. Giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. What did he know? He knew the hearts. Why were they able to get the Holy Ghost? Because their heart was right. And God responded. God proved. That their hearts were right by what? Giving a witness. What was the witness? The Holy Ghost. In other words, he confirmed it. He accepted. Their hearts. In the context of salvation, what that would mean is, is that they would have repented and turned towards God. And God accepted that. And God acknowledged that. And then proved them out by giving them the Holy Ghost. You can't get the Holy Ghost if your heart is wrong. That's just something, that's just a tip. Somebody need to know that. The process of salvation is not done for you. You might have just been water baptized, but you need the Holy Ghost. God give the Holy Ghost to those whose heart is in tune, is in the right place. 
You got to be on one accord with God. That's how they got it. That's how you're going to get it. You got to want it. And you got to do what God tell you to do. You got to turn to God with your whole heart. Got to love God with everything that you want, with everything that you got. You got to give him your all. When you do that, God will give you his all. He'll give you the Holy Ghost. You won't wonder about it. Yes, you will feel good and all that kind of stuff, but that's not how you know you got the Holy Ghost. You read on in that scripture and Acts, you, they, they began to speak in other tongues. Proof of receipt. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall speak with other tongues. That is the initial sign that accompanies. That's your proof of receipt. That's how you know God did his part. Except no substitutions and no imitations. You want the genuine article. You want the real deal. You don't want a salvation where somebody is just telling you, oh, well, you know what? It's all good. Long as you feel warm and fuzzy in your heart, that's God. That ain't God. That could be indigestion. That could be anything. When God do something, he make it unmistakable. You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. You know. So don't go around getting your salvation some other kind of way or that some church or some, some institution told you no. Get it the way the Bible tells you. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and all the way through. Start at verse 36 and keep reading. You'll know exactly what to do. Amen. You know exactly what to look for. Nevertheless, God knew the heart. Now, if we want God to hear and respond, we got to separate ourselves from the world. Look at Psalms chapter 4, 3 through 5. See, when you want God to, 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 to respond, you can't just come to God wrong. Psalms 4, 3 through 5 says this. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart. There's that heart again. Upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. If you want God to hear you, you got to come, you listen. Once God has saved you, Let me deal with it from two, two angles. Once God has saved you, so let me talk to the, uh, to the saved first. To the one who is saved according to the Bible, many times you will struggle with God hearing you whenever you begin to walk in sin. 
And Psalms 4, 3 through 5 makes that plain. It says, stand in awe and what? Sin not. He uses that. That's verse number four. It comes immediately after him saying that, guess what? God sets apart the person that's godly for himself. He reserves him for himself. And the Lord will hear when I call on him. He says, the Lord's going to hear. I've been separated for the Lord and to the Lord. That's sanctification. And the Lord's going to hear when I call. But then when you get to verse number four, he tells you something that is extremely important. Why? Because what he tells you is the very thing that would void what came before it in verse number three. He says, stand in awe and what? Sin not. Sin not. Now, you need to understand, when he says stand in awe, that word awe doesn't mean what you might think of me. It don't mean that you're amazed. It doesn't mean that. That word awe in this particular te text means to behave violently or as if in a state of great anger. So in essence, what he's telling you is be angry, but sin not. And there's another scripture that talks about that. Amen. He literally in this scripture was telling you the same thing. That be angry. Why? Because some, there's going to be some things that's going to get you upset. But when you want God to hear you, maybe because you have a need or you have something going on, you can't walk in sin. Because if you do, God's not going to hear you. Now, that's for the person who is saved. Now, for the person who's not saved, if you want God to hear you, then it's not going to happen unless you repent. You got to turn from your wicked ways. God does not bless mess. And there is no version where you will have the blessings of God. The depth of God's blessing. There, there's some blessings that you get on the outs or just, just on, or for, on general purposes. You get sunshine, you get rain, you get heat and cold, you get all those natural things. Those are blessings from God and you get those. The Bible says the rain falls on the just as well as the unjust. So there you get blessed on that level. But the blessed things that come as a result of communion and fellowship with God, those are off limits to you. Those will be restricted from you. Those you will never partake in until you turn to God, repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and be filled with the Holy Ghost. It won't be until you turn to God. Now, the blessings actually will start before all of, the, all of that process is complete. They actually will start You'll start to experience some of the blessings of God as soon as you start the process of repentance and you turn away from sin. You will start to experience some of God's goodness just on repentance alone. You ain't gonna get all of it, 
because you got to complete the process. You got to repent of your sins. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins or the washing away of those sins. Amen. And then you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I told you a little bit earlier, you'll know when you get the Holy Ghost because you will speak in another tongue. That is your proof of receipt. It will serve as a proof of receipt, so to speak, in that instance. It's the initial sign that accompanies the new birth process. Amen. The bottom line is between both the saved and the unsaved. You can't just come any way that you want to God, whether you are saved or unsaved. You cannot just come to God any kind of way that you want and think that you're going to have God. It won't work that way. It won't work that way. The second thing that David does is, is that he requests of God that before God responds, that he have mercy on him. David wanted his cry to God. In essence, to be seen or heard through the lens or through the filter of mercy. Notice the language of the scripture. Amen. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Then he says, have mercy upon me. And then he says, and answer me. He doesn't ask him to answer before he has mercy. He asks him to have mercy before he answers. That's very important. That is very important. Because it means that David is asking God to hear his cry or to acknowledge his cry through the lens of mercy or through the filter of mercy. When you look at something through a lens, it changes the way things look. When you listen to something that goes through a filter, that filter scrubs the sound and all of these different things, cleans up the sound or muddles the sound, depending on the type of filter, what you're doing with it. The lens can color what you see. And a filter can scrub what you hear. And that's what David is asking. He's saying, when, when, when I'm crying out to you, I need you to see it a certain way before you even answer. I need you to see it a certain way. I need you to hear it a certain way. I need you to see it through mercy. I need you to hear it through mercy. Now, why would David ask for that? Because remember, he asked for this to happen before he get an answer. He says, I want to answer. Remember, hear, take heed. That means to take heed, pay close attention. When I cry, whatever voice, whatever sound come out. Amen. I need you to, but, he's, but before you respond, David says, before you answer, I want you to run it through the lens. I want you to see it through 
the lens of mercy. I want you to hear it through the filter of mercy. Why? Because according to scripture, we don't always know what to pray for, which means that when we get to the practice of prayer, when we get into prayer, we don't often, we don't always know what to say. And that's why David is asking for that. Because when it comes to prayer and according to scripture, we do not always know what to pray. We don't always know what to say. This must be kept in mind. Why? Because that presents a problem. That means that we have a problem. And when you understand this, when we understand this, it makes all the more sense why David would ask God to see through the lens of mercy or hear through the filter of mercy prior to him actually answering his call. There's a reason why he wanted him to, to scrub it first or to look at it through a different lens, the lens of mercy first. There's a reason why. Because according to scripture, as I said, we don't always know what to pray for, right? We do, which means we just don't know, always know what to say. Well, this, we have a problem because of, because of this. Since we all have this universal problem or shortcoming in common, this universal shortcoming of God's people puts us in quite the predicament puts us in a very strange situation because we because on one hand we are commanded to pray always Luke 18 and 1 says this and he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to what pray and not to faint Jesus was telling us that. So on the one hand, we're commanded to pray always. We're also commanded and told to pray with thanksgiving. But we're told to do that without worry. Look at Philippians 4 and 6. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So on one hand, we're commanded to pray. And then, and not just pray sometimes, we're told to pray all the time. And on top of that, not only are we told to pray all the time. But we're told not to be careful with. In other words, don't worry. That's what that means. We're told to come and to pray without worry. And when we come, just come with thanksgiving. Amen. Now, this gets a little bit weird when we throw in Romans 8 and 26. Because we're told to always pray. We're told to not worry when we pray and to pray with thanksgiving. Yet we are also told 
which confirms our first statement in Romans 8, 28. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Now, for we know not what we should pray as we ought. So we're commanded to pray. We're told not to worry when we pray. Yet we have a situation where when we do that, we don't always know what to pray. That's what basically. But God being God thought of everything. Because he knew that for as much as he wanted you and me to pray, he knew that you and I were going to have some trouble with it. So we cannot discount or discard all the information that surrounds the fact that we don't know what to pray for as listed in Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Yes, I might not know what to pray. Yes, I might not know how to get this thing done. Amen. I might not know what to say to God when I come there. Yet, it's not a problem for God because God has determined to help us out. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. That means our shortcomings. Amen. 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 It means our incapacity. It means our lack of physical or natural qualifications. Likewise, the spirit helpeth our infirmities, our inability, our shortcomings. The fact that I don't know how to say what I need to say. Yet I need to come to God. Why? Because I'm commanded to come to God. God, you want me to come. You, 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 you require this of me. But Lord, you know that I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to speak to you the way I need to. You are a God who is holy and righteous. And you require holiness and righteousness. But I am a man of unclean lips and unclean hands. And I cannot always come to you the way that you deserve, which is in righteousness. How do I overcome my shortcoming? How do I approach you? How can I just come boldly? I know that you're telling me to come, but how can I do that? When I don't have the ability, amen, for likewise the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Yeah, yeah, we know not what we should pray for as we are, but the spirit itself maketh intercession. God, you step in with groanings that cannot be uttered. God, you step in saying and interpreting what I cannot. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. 
And why does he do it? Because he loves you. God wanted fellowship with you, wants fellowship with you so much. He wants to hear you and I so much that he has made a way for us to communicate with him when he knows our own nature, our own sinful nature is often the barrier or will be the barrier that prevents us from getting to God. He loved you so much that he created a way in that he himself decides to step in and do translation. Glory to God. Somebody probably missed that. God wants you to talk to him. But the problem is you can't talk to him. So he gives you the spirit so that you can talk to him because the spirit will do translation. How can he do it? Because he understood. Because he understands. Because the word of God tells us that Jesus was touched by our every infirmity. That means that God can identify with me. God identifies with you on every level of the human condition. In other words, he understands. And so when you don't have the words to say, maybe you have a Lord all you know. Maybe all you have is a God help me. And sometimes you don't even have that. It's a moan and it's a groan because Jesus understands the human condition. He runs translation by his own spirit. Glory to God. And interprets what you can't say. Translate what you're trying to communicate. And so he tells us, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Watch this, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God, I need you to hear me, but I need you to hear me through the lens or through the filter of mercy. How and why would David do that? Because one of the benefits that God bestows upon his people is referenced in Hebrews 4.16. I just read that for you. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace. We can come bold, amen. Amen means we can we can come with authority and look at what he says that we may obtain mercy. God has predetermined that when you call his name, when you come before him, already knowing that you don't know what to say he has already determined to give you mercy so that you can both stand in his presence and receive an answer. Glory to God. Hear me, O Lord, when I cry. 
with my voice, have mercy upon me and answer me. Because mercy is God giving you what you don't deserve, responding to you with mercy, with grace and help when you don't deserve it. That's what mercy is. Justice is God giving you what you do deserve, but mercy is him giving you the second chances and the break and the other opportunities that you don't deserve. Why would you need that? Because you're going to be in need. You're going to need God's help. And at the end of the day, you just like me, although I'm in need, and although the help that I need can only come from God, One scripture says our sins testify against us. And that means that no matter how much I need God's help, it don't change the fact that because of my sin and unrighteousness, I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. You're going to need his help. But for as much as you need it, you don't deserve his help. You don't deserve that second chance. But God loves you so much. that he gives you mercy. He has determined to give you mercy, to cover the fact that you don't deserve a favorable answer or help at all. He took away the fear. of coming before him that would be present due to our fallen sinful nature. Yes, David could cry out with his voice and he could ask God for help because he knew that he was asking for help from the only true and living God who has determined to be most merciful and gracious to those who are in need. God bless you. Until next time, we're going to go ahead and stop the recording here.